Fedheads. Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. We're, I'm your host, Trip. We're live on Facebook.com, uh, broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, and of course available uh, all day long at YouTube or on your favorite podcast catcher. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Dennis. Dennis, how you doing tonight? What's up, Trippy? Enjoying the snow? Of, I'm kind of jealous of you smoking inside. Like, um, <laughs> it's not snowing here. It's like 50 degrees here, which isn't... Oh, isn't wow. Like... I was sitting out on the patio yesterday until until the sun went down. It was totally fine. Um, but, you know, I got my space heater on, got my sweatshirt on. You're just chilling there watching. Oh, the man, I'm, I'm relaxing. Dude, we had thundersnow today. It's nuts. Can't wow. remember the last time I saw that. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen it, even when I lived on the East Coast. It's such a weird thing. It doesn't make sense. And it's like uh, like a purple flash. It's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that existed. Um, so, of course, we're here. To, to pair some cigars with some beers tonight. We're doing, we're doing, we're focusing on beer tonight. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. We need to start uh, getting some whiskey shows going because I feel Absolutely. like this winter we've been all, we've been in beer mode a little too much. Um, but I mean, the problem is we both love beer and there's too much good beer out there <laughs> now. Uh, and thank you for all the fed heads, fed heads watching on Facebook. See you guys watching. Um, drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what's on your mind. Uh, and of course, if you've got any questions, that's what we're here for. We're here to answer questions. Um, so the cigar we're smoking tonight, if you haven't already read the description, is the, let me see if I can, there we go. Oh, that's beautiful. The La Flor Dominicana La, La Volcada. Um, so this is the latest from La Flor Dominicana, of course. Uh, it's sort of a sequel to the Lenox in a way. You can kind of tell by the branding. Uh, I mean, the bands are very similar, even though they're a different color scheme slightly different design very um, nice thick paper too yeah it's just it's a very similar look to the lenox um and we'll, we'll talk about the cigar as we get into it but i think this is going to be a release kind of like lenox where it's not quite limited edition but it's not quite regular production they're just kind of making them uh in batches and so they'll show up at your shop and disappear as people buy them and then a couple months later they'll show up again um so on to the blend of course the, mo- the most important thing uh so Actually, before I talk about the blend, I'll talk about the name. La Volcada. So you can see I'm holding up the band yet again. Uh, if you can focus for me, buddy. Come on. i got to block out as much face as possible. I'm trying to get a shot of that uh, that like red embossing on the band. Man, you're just not not my friend today. There we oh, go. Oh, there it is. Uh, come on, man. There we go. Oh, well. Um, I'll describe it anyway, since a lot of our, our listeners are listening on podcasts, and they're not going to be able to see the video anyway. Um, so it's named after a move in the tango dance, uh, which I, I've never tangoed. I'm not familiar with tangoing. Um, but apparently the volcata is the move where the guy leans the girl back. Um, and the tango was kind of created in Venezuela and Uruguay. And Uruguay is where uh, the creator of La Florida Dominicana, Lito Gomez, grew up. Um, so it's... You know, it's, it's paying homage to that dance, I guess, what he was very familiar with. Uh, the cigar itself is a 7 by 48 Churchill. It's only available in the one size for now. But again, like Lenox, I think we're going to see... Uh, I could I could definitely see some little guys in this blend coming out in 2018 like they did with the Lenox. I think that would, uh, that would be a good thing. Uh, the wrapper is Mexican San Andreas, which, of course, is one of my personal favorites. The binder is Ecuadorian Corojo, and all of the fillers are from the Dominican Republic grown on one of La Florida Dominicana's personal farms. Um, 
and the uh, the retail price of these is about twelve bucks. And they were released this just this past December. They were announced at the uh, IPCPR 2017 last year, uh, and then and then finally came out in mid December. What do you think of the cigar so far, Dennis? Oh, it's it's so good. It's insanely good. The size is just right too. Um, the first couple of draws on it were so rich, mm-hmm. full cream, full chocolate, tons of spice. Like this thing really just kicks ass. Yeah, there's a ton of flavor. Like we were talking about right before the show when we we're just kind of getting into the cigar. I get a lot of uh, like stewed fruits from it, like a little bit of that stewed fruit sweetness and uh, richness. Then there's like it's got a little bit of everything, which is uh, kind of rare in most ways. Like it's got creaminess. It's got chocolate. It's got leather. It's definitely got spice like most La Florida Minicanas. Um, am I missing anything? Some, a little bit of coffee kind of bitterness in there. Um, so a, a lot of times like that bitterness you can attribute to either coffee or chocolate. And sometimes yeah, it's hard to discern. True. It's just which one it reminds you of more. And it smells great too. Yeah, I is, have a hard, It's always a, hard a, a nice plus. Yeah, I have a hard time picking up room notes for some reason. Like when I'm smoking a cigar, I can't smell any of it. I can taste it and I can uh, I can like, you know, retrohale it and taste it on my olfactories. But uh, for some reason, I can't smell it at all. So if I leave the room and come back, I'll smell it. So I'll probably do that after the show. Like, yeah. you know, when I hit the bathroom or something uh, and I'll come back out and I'll be like, ah, so that's what Dennis was talking about. Yep. It's really um, nutty. The room note so far is, is almost like a, like a hazelnut. That sort oh. of like ro- roasted hazelnut smell. I'm getting a lot of that, which yeah. is great. And there's definitely a little bit of nuttiness that I was having a hard time putting my finger on. It is like, it reminds me a little bit of like Nutella, like that. Oh yeah. Sweet, dark chocolate hazelnut flavor. Um, and like you were saying, I, I love this size, like seven by 48, man. Any, anything by 48, I think is a good size. Cause you're getting that, like that big hefty cigar feeling. Um, and that intensity of flavor that comes along yeah. with that and the cool burn and um, just kind of the ease of smoking, but also at a manageable size. Like it's not like smoking a 60 or even a 52, like a 50 or 52 is a noticeable difference. For oh, me definitely. Definitely. And, and it does burn really well. You're right. That's uh, a very easygoing size. Yeah, I feel like uh, like obviously with a Lancero or something like that, um, the smaller the ring gauge, the more difficult it is to smoke. Um, not that it's like, you know, it's, it's not something you're going to have a hard time with or something like that, but it's, uh, you have to pay attention to what you're doing a little more. You have to make sure you're not letting it go out. You have to make sure you're not drawing on it too hard and getting it really hot. Um, and I, I feel like 48 is just kind of the right middle ground between flavor and not having to worry about it. Yeah. So let's get into talking about some beer. Um, since, since this is after all a beer episode. So I'm going to talk about my first one. So this comes to me from River Bend Brewing. Uh, they were founded in 2013 in Bend, Oregon, which is a couple hours south of me, about two hours, two and a half hours away. Um, and I had never seen any of their beers in cans before. I'd seen it on tap, um, just like their IPAs, their stouts, their sours. Um, but they released, for the first time ever, they released cans, and they released four different variants of a milkshake IPA. So this is Barry the Hoppetition, Barry Milkshake IPA. Um, and so a couple of interesting things about the brewery, uh, if I can uh, find my notes here. There we go. Um, actually, I only have one interesting note because they don't have a lot of information available. They have a 10-barrel brewing system, which is minuscule. Like, 10 barrels is nothing. A lot, Most, like, small production breweries, like tap houses and stuff like that, have at least 15. And 
kind of the typical starting point is about 30 barrels. Yeah, I was going to say generally 30 and up is kind of like considered small boutique brewery. Yeah, and this is 10, which is like nothing. No wonder I, I don't see their beers around. Um, but as far as I know, this is the first time they've ever canned anything. They have four variants. Uh, one of them I didn't, they didn't have at the shop I was at. I think that one's a mango. And they also have a, uh, they call it a Hawaiian kind of milkshake IPA. It's got guava, mango, and orange. And then they've got a peach. Um, and I've already had the peach and the, the uh, whatever the Hawaiian one is called. I, I don't recall it off the top of my head. Um, but they're all very good. And I'm really excited to get into this one. So this is, I'll hold it up there for our viewers. Uh, it's like, it doesn't come across quite on camera. It comes out a little more pale looking, um, like grapefruit juice. But it's kind of like, uh, the color reminds me of like ocean spray grapefruit juice. Like it's that like bright pink kind of color, that bright, dark, deep pink though. Um, and this is 7% alcohol by volume, uh, 60 IBUs. And I want to talk about milkshake IPAs a little bit too. Um, a lot of people, I got a lot of comments when I posted a, a picture of one of their beers the other day, uh, of people who said, what the hell is a milkshake IPA? And it is <laughs> like, if you're not familiar with it enough, uh, and you've never, you don't have like the parts in your brain to put it together. If you've never tasted like a milk, a milky beer, or a fruity beer or a hoppy beer, and you're thinking of mixing those things together, it sounds awful. Um, but I think it turns out really good. Um, and it ends up being not super hop forward, but also not super sweet uh, in the way that most like doubles or triples are sweet. Uh, that, you know, typically you get that like cloying syrupy sweetness and somehow they avoid that sweetness, but they give you that texture with a milkshake IPA. Um, so, th and this, I didn't know until today. So it was created in, the style was really created in 2015 um, by Jean Brolet, uh, who owns and is the head brewmaster at uh, Tired Hands in they're in Vermont. Is that right? Um, I know tired of them. Hands. I oh, man. I just had, I feel bad. I, I just had beer from them. Um, I want to say Vermont. Yes. Uh, hopefully somebody knows that can correct me. Yeah. If you can, uh, if you can correct us in the comments, we would love that. And that way we can, uh, we can get a correction in on the air, uh, <laughs> which is always nice. Yep. Um, but he had a hazy beer. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, Hoppy Hands. Uh, and a beer reviewer came in and tried it. And when he left, he wrote a review that said, there's no place for hazy, sloppy IPAs like this. It's like drinking a milkshake and it's terrible. It'll never work. <laughs> and he was like, of course, that's a challenge. <laughs> uh, so he figured out a way to make a milkshake IPA. And they, uh, I didn't know what the first one was, but they've had a couple since then. But they kind of created the style. And the thing that makes it a milkshake IPA, it's not an officially defined term yet um, by like the Brewmaster, uh, oh, what is the name of that organization? The organization that classifies beers. Um, the, <laughs> it's there's okay. another one I got. Yeah, yeah I exactly. can't remember either. Our, we're just having the, brain farts all night. Um, it's an so, acronym that I can't remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the Brewers Association. That's what it is. Uh, so the Brewers Association kind of, uh, after a beer becomes popular enough and there's a solid baseline, of beers, they kind of decide what they will officially classify as like, you know, a black IPA versus a porter or something like that. They've got very specific classification, but um, nobody knows when they're going to add milkshake IPA, but it's got to be coming soon. They're blowing up now. Uh, oh man, there's so many of them. Yeah, it, it's a craze. It kind of started on the East Coast. This is the very first one I've ever seen out here 
that was called a milkshake IPA uh, that was available in a can that wasn't on on draft somewhere. We've got a couple local guys that do milkshake IPAs, uh, but they're keg only. Um, so mm. you can't go to the grocery store and buy a six pack or something like that. But a milkshake IPA is an IPA where they add lactose sugar, which uh, it makes it, it gives it kind of that slightly thicker, uh, like you can see here, there's like, you can almost see the milk sugars floating around. Like it adds a little bit of texture to it. Um, and then the other thing that I didn't think about, oh, and it also adds like a creaminess, a creamy flavor kind of, um, and a little bit more sweetness, but most of that sugar ends up fermenting. So you don't end up with a ton of sweetness. You end up more with the mouthfeel and the creaminess. Um, then the reason they always add fruit is not singularly to, uh, to make it like, you know, milkshake flavored. It's because the pectin in the fruit produces a brighter color and ends up getting that that haziness that just sticks mm -hmm. like um if you've ever had a gorgeous hazy, like a hazy ipa or something like that you pour it and if you let it sit there for a while you'll notice the haze starts to kind of float to the top and the bottom gets clear and that does not happen with these kind of beers they stay hazy all the way through and apparently that's due to the pectin content um kind of gelling a little bit and, and creating a thicker uh consistency um and then a lot of them not all of them this one is one of them that uses vanilla in addition uh, to kind of give it just a little bit more of a twist that adds that milkshakey kind of flavor. Um, so this one in particular is an IPA brewed with lactose, sugar, and vanilla. And then during fermentation, they add raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, and boysenberries. Oh, man. Uh, and then dry hop with cascade and mosaic. So I'm going to get into this one. Um, All good stuff. Absolutely. We're going to take a break stuff. before you introduce your first one because we went a little long here. Um, but we'll be right back after, uh, after this quick break. And then Dennis is going to introduce his first beer. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93 rated Heritage featuring Rosado, Ecuador, and Habana wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvania, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand rolled Nicaraguan available in 35 count boxes. Talk to your local BM about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. We're back. And we're back. Um, I'm taking a couple sips of my, I, I took a couple sips during the break. Um, but while Dennis is talking about his first beer here, I'm going to take a couple more sips and try to decide what I think of this pairing. My first beer is, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It was a gift from a friend of mine I just got yesterday. So this past weekend, the brewery is Gunhill Brewing Company, and uh, they're based out of the Bronx in New York. And they had their four-year anniversary party, and every year for the anniversary, they basically brew a bunch of limited stuff that they have available on tap, and some of that ends up going into uh, into bottles, so limited release kind of bottle thing. Mm -hmm. And one of them, I believe, was a barrel-aged stout this year that they released, and the second one is the beer that I'm having tonight, and it's there. It's called Freeman's. There you go, Freeman's Farmhouse. So pretty snazzy, spelt right. So it's a spelt saison, um, and it's conditioned on peaches and brett for eight months. Wow. Which is really kind of a weird oh camera lost focus. Kind of a weird no, I don't uh, worry about it. It's fine. kind of a weird combo, right? You, an all spelt saison. And then you add Brett on top of that with peaches. And it's it's darker than I expected, honestly. Yeah, that doesn't look like your typical saison. No, no, definitely not. And it doesn't really honestly doesn't even smell like it. It has that um intense tartness. And I'm guessing the color comes from the peaches. And it comes in at 
eight and a half percent alcohol. So pretty formidable, you know, for, for a full bottle like this is pretty formidable. Um, and it was bottled on the 28th of February. So super fresh, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, always. Dude. It's always a good thing. I love saisons of any kind, generally speaking, any kind, especially sour, anything you can sour yeah. a stout and I'll, I'll drink it and I'll love it. I've had some good sour stouts, man. Yeah. They're out there, right? And, uh, you know, the spelt is a really cool thing. You don't see a lot of people using spelt. It's a little bit nuttier. It's a, it's a kind of a, a more rounded whole wheat, I guess, is, is a good way to put it. But it's not that commonly used as the main grain for, for a, a brew. Uh, it's kind of cool. I'm, I don't know about the flavor so far. I'm, I'm kind of trying to, get through, trying to get through some more of it before I really make a decision on what I think. But um, as it's warming up, I'm getting a lot more peach flavor. Initially, when I first poured it, it was just really sharp. And it yeah. had those champagne bubbles, but no peach. Hmm. It was just really effervescent. And I feel like maybe the, some of that was taking away from the flavor. As we talk about a lot of times on the show, you know, it depends on, on the, the size of the bubbles. Sometimes they can really take away from the essence, some of those nuanced flavors. Peach is one of those things that you either taste it or you don't. And it's really hard to get through in the final product. Yeah. Um, so my beer, I'll hold it up again one more time so you guys can see the color. Um, it's it's like i mean it looks like grapefruit juice it's like cloudy it and great. pinkish and almost red um it's really interesting because the on the nose it's like stewed kind of fruit like um it reminds me of hops and like sweetened hops like sugary hops and like stewed berries with spices or something like that, that sounds mulled so good. berries um but then interestingly, when you taste it, it's it's all fresh berries. Like you get that like fresh raspberry bite. Uh, and it I think it actually it works better than I was expecting with the cigar. It doesn't taste like a 60 IBU IPA. That's one of the really interesting things with milkshake IPAs, I think, is that the the fruitiness and the, the creaminess really settles down the, the like astringency of the hops. And you get way more of those like I mean, it's. It's the stuff they typically add to these kind of things. You get way more of those like peach, guava, mango, tropical fruit kind of notes on the palate. Um, but I think that wor actually works really well with like the sourness of these berries because it's it's got like like it almost tastes like a sour IPA because it's got so much sour from the berries, which I really like. Oh, wow. And, you know, a lot of those tropical flavors from the hops, those are so unique. And now we see a lot of breweries coming out with beers that really focus on those hops. Mm -hmm. And they throw in some lactose to balance out the flavor and really pull those tropical notes of the guava, the mango, the pineapple, uh, and coconut even. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It's it's a weird thing. You wouldn't think it'd be good uh, reading about it, but it, it really works well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things like that. That Like if you read about it and you hear somebody or you even hear somebody describe it like this, um, it sounds bad. But some flavors that don't work, that don't seem like they would work together, just work together perfectly. Man, you know, I'm, I'm how's, getting some... How's the Saison? Uh, well, I was going to ask you about the cigar. I'm getting some, like, not to sound pretentious, but I'm getting some sea salt on this. I don't know if you're getting that. I'm getting, like, sea salt and gingerbread. I can see that. Um, um, on the retrohale a little bit. So it, it could be the beer playing off the cigar, right? No, I, I definitely see what you mean about the sea salt. There's definitely, like, a, um, a salty kind of meaty element to it. And I say this because I, I just recently had one of my um, accidentally salted... Cuban cigars, mm -hmm. um, and that was just insanely salty for me. Have you have you told the story on the show or? I think I did. Uh, yeah, where I got I got hit by a giant just, rogue wave. Yeah. 
Yeah, while you were carrying all your cigars. Man, and it was a bundle, right? Yeah, I got this massive bundle from uh, uh, Ronaldo in, in Cuba, and I was walking along the, the Malecon, and I just got hit by this massive wave completely. just I almost fell over, just washed completely, soaked. And the cigars were wrapped in, in um, saran wrap, but, you know, just kind of loosely, just to keep them together. And, of course, they I didn't realize this, but they soaked in. And I freaked out. I thought, oh, man, that's it. I'm going to lose the scars. It was like the almost the last day right before I was leaving. And I There's wasn't going to get more. Right? It's like, you know, I, I was hoping to bring them back and, and enjoy them later. And I was nervous. Eventually, I let them kind of dry out and sit in my humidor for a little bit. They're pretty good. You know, that little salt essence, it's, it's unique. <laughs> uh, Go figure. I'm, I'm just trying to think of, like, how we can market. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you can infuse a cigar with the, with the ocean... Uh, you might be able to make a little money doing that. We can call them uh, the, the Poseidons. Yeah. Poseidon Tobacco. That could be our company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to decide what this tastes like. It's There's so much complexity, but it's that... Uh, so I'm I'm into the second third here now. Uh, and it's that kind of complexity that's hard to put a pin in. Like, you can't... You're not... You can't just pick flavors. You have to really think about it to pick out what what you're tasting. And I think... Let me take another draw. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure this out. It's uh, for me. I'm I'm getting this uh, almost like an untanned leather, like a raw leather. Yeah, I was I was gonna say leather. Um, the spice has really settled down a lot, uh, and I think the beer that I'm drinking is so sweet that it's it's totally cutting the sweetness of the cigar. Um, so I'm getting a lot more like savory flavors. Like uh, it's a little. There's a little earth. There's a little bit of like a uh, God. Th- this is another one of those things that sounds pretentious. It like almost celery kind of like vegetal flavor. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And then that leather. The vegetal thing, you know what? I I couldn't put my finger on it, and uh, I guess maybe that's kind of what I thought was the the, the sea salt that I was getting. But that vegetal, I guess, it's almost like a chlorophyll, but like a uh, I don't know, like a salty chlorophyll. Yeah, I'm making exactly. it sound more pretentious. That's a, <laughs> no, that's a that's actually fine, I think a good way to put it. Like fine uh, notes of aged chlorophyll. There are a lot of uh, of cigars out there that have like that salty character, yeah. even though like salty isn't a thing that you can taste from smoke. It's just not possible. But it gives your tongue that feeling, like yeah. uh, that dryness when like if you've if you've ever had like large flaked salt. Oh yeah, it's like when Definitely. it hits your palate and you get a little bit of sweetness, and then as it dissolves, your tongue is like dried out a little bit. Which again, that sounds bad, but it's like it's a sensation that you're tasting you're feeling along with the rest of those flavors that I think makes it work for you. Um, but I'm going to move on to my next beer because we're running behind already. Um, and we've only had one beer. So this is one that we've had on the show. I don't remember if I've had this. Oh, yeah. Show, or mm. if it's something Robbie had. Um, but this is Oscar Blue's Death by Coconut, Irish-style porter. So it's weird because uh, details on this are actually kind of slim. They don't tell you exactly how they make it or anything. Um, they just give you tasting notes on their website uh, but first a little bit about oscar blues we've talked about them a lot they were founded in 1997 as just a brew pub where the guy wanted to make beer and serve it to people um, and as they grew they ended up getting more locations and building a full production brewery um, and in 2002 they started canning their beers for the first time and they're kind of credited with uh with starting craft beers in can. Um, before that, I mean, even even well after 2000, people looked down upon cans. And now 
uh, you can get some like really good, really limited stuff in cans because it, um, and all, and also it's got a lot of advantages over glass. Glass is heavy, glass is expensive, mm. uh, fragile, tough to ship, tough to ship. It lets light through, uh, cans are much more compact, uh, recyclable, of course. Uh, I mean, so is glass, but aluminum is more recyclable than glasses. Uh, and Oscar blues is, is really the one who kicked all that off. And if you've ever had a crowler, they, they, they basically invented crowler along with the ball canning company. Uh, I mean, they're, they're cans forever. You'll, I don't, I don't think you'll, I don't think they make any beers in bottles except maybe Dale's pale ale. I think I've seen that in bottles before. Um, pretty much everything they make. Yeah. Is in cans. Even their, even their really yeah. limited stuff comes in cans. Um, and I, I mean, to be honest, when I first saw cans on the, on the shelf, I, I looked down on them, but. Oh yeah. I think we all did. It, yeah. It's turned around now. Like now that you know the benefits of cans, they don't let any light through your beer stays way fresher in a can yeah. than it does in a bottle. I mean, um, that's why Heineken tastes the way it does is because it's in those green bottles and enough light gets through that it, yep. it skunks a little bit. Um, I've had it in Holland and it tastes completely different because it's fresh. And that's, that's just the way the beer market went uh, in like the, I don't know, when, when canning came around, it was just the big macros that were canning. Um, so th that kind of just became the norm. And so back to Death by Coconut. I've talked enough about cans. Uh, this is their Death by Coconut. It, it's one of my favorite beers. Like it's, and it's such a beer that I wouldn't like. That's one of the things about it. Like <laughs> I don't usually like coconut in anything very much. I'm just not a huge fan of coconut. Um, I typically don't like porters because I'd rather just have an IPA or a stout. The porter to me is typically just a little too thin. Um, and like a, a watered down stout. Um, oh, but this one manages yeah. to be super rich, super flavorful, really sweet, which I don't usually like. Um, and it's fantastic. If you hadn't had it, if you haven't had it, go get it. It should be available right about now. Uh, they usually launch it sometime in February. Um, so if you're not seeing it around, you probably will soon. Uh, talking about the beer a little bit, it's six and a half percent ABV, which is reasonable, uh, and 25 ABUs. And the beer itself is an Irish style porter that they make. And then they age it with, or they brew it with coconut and pure liquid cacao. Um, not liquid cocoa, it's pure liquid cacao from Chilaca. Uh, it's a company that makes pure liquid cacao. You can just buy bottles of it for restaurant use. Um, but it sounds it delicious. Up, it ends up being sweet from the beer, not from the chocolate. And then the chocolate is like really bitter. Um, so even though it's only 25 IBUs, it kind of clocks in closer to like 60 in my mind because you get that bitterness from the chocolate. Um, and we're, like I said, we're running late. So we're going to take another quick break. Uh, Dennis is going to introduce his next beer as soon as we get back. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor, Make sure you set it and forget it today. Show brought to you by Drew. Oops, I hit the wrong button and we went into the Drew Diplomat app, uh, or the Drew Diplomat ad, rather. All right, Dennis, I'm going to take a couple sips of my Death by Coconut. Hopefully yep. I don't die uh, while you 
talk about your next beer. Yeah, man. Uh, not to get ahead of myself a little bit, but I'm going to say what you said about porters is how I feel about brown ales. And it's funny because brown I have a brown ale for my last pairing. A, uh, a, a porter to me is basically a watered down stout. Um, you yeah. know, it's thinner. It doesn't have that viscosity that I like in a stout. It's not as heavy. Um, and then a brown ale is just like an even more, it's like a watered down porter. It's a, it's a porter light basically. Yeah. Um, so here, let me get into my next beer. It's really, you're not going to believe this. And I, we, you and I have talked about this a little bit. I had one, I think it was last week. Um, and I hated it. I oh. completely, completely oh, hated yeah. it. This beer comes from evil twin. It is their eggnog IPA. Uh, comes in at 8%. And let me read you guys what it says on the side here. So inspired by an iconic Yuletide cocktail with a twist of what a modern beer should taste like. An IPA shaken up with eggs and lactose, natural bourbon-type flavoring. I'm not sure what that means. What is bourbon-type uh, flavoring? I, That's you know, bourbon-y sort of-ish. There's an ish in there. Uh, it's cheaper, probably. <laughs> Nutmeg and vanilla added. So it's it's creamy, nutty, comforting, and rich with nostalgia. When I first had this, the only nostalgia I had was that, that one time when milk was a bad choice in college. <laughs> you were nostalgic for the time that you'd never tasted. <laughs> Eggnog IPA. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, man, first time, honestly, I really didn't like it. I thought it was just not well balanced. It was too hot. The yeast for me was kind of like if you had a really spicy Belgian, you know, you have those um, banana esters from the hotter fermentation. Those notes come through a lot in this beer. And it had this like cloying um, old milk flavor to it that Ugh. really didn't jive, right? With, with an IPA, bad. especially. Terrible. So here's the deal. Now I'm having it. I want to give it another shot. I'm having it now. And man, I really like it. It's crazy. Total 180. I really, really like it. I let it sit for a little bit. Uh, I'll show you guys what it looks like. You were talking for days about how much you hated that beer. Days. Absolutely. I told every, I, I called people. I texted people. I told people like, man, don't, don't get this beer. It's terrible. I can't believe I was so disappointed. I've never had a bad IPA. Like, well, I've had bad IPAs, but never an IPA that I thought about pouring down the drain. And although I finished that one, I thought about pouring it down. Um, but you know what? Now I've let this warm up. I think the thing that really makes this beer better for me now versus then is the cigar. Yeah, the cigar I've, I've actually had that spice. experience. Um, you know, when I take the sip of the beer, I'm getting a lot of those eggnog, classic eggnog flavors that if, if you're an eggnog person, uh, and I kind of like it in general, um, it has those nice spicy elements, the creaminess to it, and the cigar brings all that out. By itself, I think it's horrible. If you have a dark cigar like this and you have a lot of complex leather and spice and cream, this that cigar will definitely bring out the notes in, in this beer and make it great. So it goes to show, you never know. Yeah, I, I've had a couple beers. Uh, the beer, I, I actually had it on the show last week, I think. Um, yeah, the Modern Time City of the Dead Nitro uh, with the almonds and salt and chocolate, maybe something else. Um but I didn't like it by itself. I thought it was overpoweringly salty. And with a cigar, it actually balanced it out. Death by Coconut, on the other hand, is good no matter what you're having it with. <laughs> it's phenomenal. All the time, anytime. For breakfast, um, great. Eggs and bacon, Death by Coconut, perfect. I mean, it's got that, like, it's weird because it, it tastes like a, what is the candy bar? A Mounds? Is that the one that's just, like, chocolate, coconut? Yeah. Nougat? Yeah, that's the, um, that's the Mounds. It reminds me a lot of that. Only with, uh, like, you know, a more refined beer version of that. 
Uh, it's got like a lot of sweetness, but it balances out well with the bitterness and uh, just so much coconut flavor. Like the, the reason they call it Death by Coconut is because it's got a lot of coconut in there. Um, and it reminds me of like, it, it tastes like that dried coconut with chocolate. Yep. In, a, in beer form. Um, unfortunately, it, I think it's overpowering the cigar a little bit. The oh, cigar is no. a little more refined than I was expecting. Um, and it completely eliminates any sweetness whatsoever from the cigar. And I end up with a little bit of spice and not really much of that leather anymore. Uh, basically, I, I would say just spice and earth really is all that's left. Um, I'm going to move on to my last pairing here. So this one comes to me from Fort George. They're in Astoria, Oregon. Um, Astoria is the oldest settlement west of the Rockies and was briefly named Fort George during a war where King George from England, uh, I don't know whether he really invaded it, but he he took ownership of it in some way or another. Um, And so they're kind of named in you know, just as a reminder of when that happened. Uh, and you can see on the can, they've got the picture of the building they're in, which is one of the oldest buildings in Astoria that's still standing in downtown. That's um, kind of cool. They, they make like a lot of, they make a lot of beer, but their beers are really limited to the Northwest area. So like Oregon, Idaho, Washington, a little bit of Canada is really where you can find Fort George beers. And this one is called from Astoria with love, because of course they're in Astoria, Oregon, um, and it's a play on from Russia with love because uh, on this side, they've got kind of the ghost of the, how do you say that word, Dennis? I know you'll be better at it than I am. Matryoshka. Uh, Mat- Matryoshka. Yeah. Matryoshka. Um, <laughs> it's a hard so word to say. They, they have a beer called Matryoshka. Uh, it is one of their limited uh, winter seasonals. It's a imperial stout aged in barrels but the thing they do with the barrels is they they make all the beer age it all in like a bourbon barrel and then some of that goes into bottles and some of that comes out and goes into another barrel and then they keep doing that until they get to one that's been in like 15 different barrels and uh that's what matryoshka is matryoshka is kind of the end result that's been in every barrel along the way uh and they've got a bunch of variants of it that are you know each step down the way. Which is um, such a cool concept too, right? That, that's a yeah. great way to, to get a really complex flavor into a beer. Yeah, and and this is the first time they've ever actually released the base stout that they use for that beer. Um, so this is the stout not aged in anything, uh, just all by itself. It came out about a month ago, and it clocks in at uh, 9.4% ABV and zero IBUs. So I'm interested to taste it because I don't I don't think I've ever had a zero IBU stout. Um, usually zero IBUs is kind of a trick so that they can put something else in to bitter it. But yep. in this one, it's just a standard imperial stout. Uh, they don't even have it on their website yet because it, it's I don't know if it's that new or if it's just that limited. Um, but I, it was hard to get really any information about it other than it's where Matryoshka comes from. So I'm going to take a couple sips, see how it pairs with the, the uh, I almost said Lenox. The Lavocata. Uh, <laughs> it's close to Lenox. Yeah, it is. Um, and and the, like the, the branding throws me off a little bit because the, the packaging is very similar. To yes, that. yes. Yeah. And, and you know, speaking of packaging, I just have to show you guys. We got these cigars at um, oh, yeah. Pro Cigar at the festival, right? Let me just show you the packaging that these cigars came or this particular cigar came in. Uh, it, it's gorgeous. I don't know if you'll see it, but 
it's hard to see because it's so like holographic and reflective. Yeah, it's um, super holographic, but it's a really, really nice box. And even inside of the box, there was this little kind of holder for it, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, yeah, um, very I, cool. I noticed that, that they had kind of the insert to make sure that whatever yeah. size cigar they're putting in there doesn't get bounced around too much. Uh, and the really cool thing about that is it was 11 cigars in this big, this big nice, like, canvas-style covered box. Yes, um, the box was beautiful. It had a window. So as you can see in there, the box has a little window so you can see the band. Uh, and all the windows have a window through the box. So you can see all the bands. And then you lift it up and you've got, like, this big white, uh, like, it was like a picture of a dragon or something. Um, um, yeah, I think it was a dragon. But they all kind of come together to make one big picture. And I took a bunch of pictures of it the other day. So I'll, I'll put some pictures up on our Facebook page. Uh, and Chico, gotta love some stouts. That is right. So I, absolutely. Like I was saying earlier, I'm I'm not a huge fan of brown ales or porters, but I l absolutely love stouts. All right, Dennis, let's hear about your last beer while I figure out what I think about yeah, this. Man. So funny thing, going back to the whole porter conversation, right? I'm yeah. not a fan of brown ales. I really don't like brown ales, generally speaking. I haven't had one that I've kind of enjoyed. This is the first one, surprisingly. Out of all the beers I've had, the first one that I can say I really like um, and it comes from Bolero Snort in New Jersey, but it's, it's, it's brewed in Pennsylvania, uh, and it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja, um, Bullvine. Bullvine. Yeah, Bullvine Bull, which is cool. Yeah, that's a fun label. Comes in at five and a half percent, and it's got sea salt, cocoa nibs, and pecans, or pecans, depending on which pecans. part of the country. Pecans. De depending on where you're from <laughs> in the country. Pecans, I guess, if you're from, uh, like Michigan. Uh, dude, it's... It's a solid, solid brown ale. Really complex, really nice, gorgeous to look at. Um, you're going to get a lot of reflections in my background from my computer. But <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good beer, and it blew me away. And I knew it was a brown ale when I bought it, and I just wanted to try it. And I, I always try as many different beers as I can, even if I don't like the style particularly. And this was a, a, a winner for me, beer-wise. I haven't wow. really gotten into a conclusion yet where it sits with the cigar yet. So I'm going to take a couple of sips and, and see what I think. So the uh, the from a story I would love stout for me, uh, I'm I'm wondering whether this is actually zero IBUs or not because it doesn't taste like it. Oh, it it's sneaky, like, right? Yeah, yeah, it tastes like they got a couple of IBUs in there that they're that they're hiding. Um, but it's I forgot to hold up the beer. Um, so there you can see how dark it is. It's I, it's just black. It's it's black. And when I poured it. Uh, it created like it was foam <laughs> yep. from here up, and it had that. Uh, it looked like a nitro. It had that like cascading waterfall effect. And then when it stopped, it was right about here. And this was just all foam for the first half of the show. Like solid. Uh, you could probably have eaten that foam with a with a spoon. It was so with thick. A, with, I could eat, I could have eaten it with a, a fork. fork. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was <laughs> so thick, like, uh, and it just stayed there for a long time. Um, and as you can see, it's still got a little bit of that lingering. Um, but it's like, it, this is one of the richest stouts I think I've ever had. Like it's up there with, uh, what's that one from California that everybody loves? Old Rasputin. It's oh, like yeah. that level of richness. It's so rich, so chocolatey, so sweet and so smooth. Um, and like you really just taste those roasty malts. But like you said, I'm a little undecided on how it goes with a cigar so far. You know, I, I hate to say it. I'm getting to that point. You know, I feel like. The first beer was a little bit too light. A lot of the flavor was lost. Um, the, the brown ale, a little bit too much, too sweet. 
surprisingly to be very sweet. Really? Um, and the eggnog IPA, man, I feel like that's, for me, I'm leaning toward that for, for my winner with this cigar. Both of them are playing off of each other so nicely. And that is literally the last combination that I would have imagined to work. I got I to gotta go it's through such my a weird pairings thing. again. Um, so actually, before I talk about this, we're going to take a, a quick break. We're going to thank our sponsor, Drew Estate, for sponsoring this segment of the show. Um, let me think. Who's... Uh, what should, what should somebody go buy if they if they're looking for a cigar? What should they go buy from Drew Estate then? Uh, you know what cigar that never disappoints the Undercrown Sungrown. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I had a I actually uh, right before the show a couple hours ago I had a oh, yeah? Undercrown, um, and this thing had a little bit of age on it. Like I'm trying to get I got a little bit of stout on the band, but look at the color of that band. It's like brown. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Um, and then I had a, a regular Undercrown Sun Grown. So you can see the difference. Both of these start off the same color. And, man, it's not coming through at all how dark this is. It's so, like, brown. It's almost green. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man, that Undercrown Sun Grown. Such a good killer. cigar, man. Accessible. Every, everybody I've spoken to that, that's had one loves them. Whether they're a, a light-bodied smoker or a full-bodied smoker, they just love them. And... The tins, man, absolutely. The the recent release, or I guess not, oh, not yeah. that recent. Um, the tins have been killing. People love those things. They're oh, great. They're so good. Nice um, short smoke. Yeah. Great value. All right, I'm going back through my pairings here because so far, I think uh, the Death by Coconut and From Astoria with Love are both fantastic beers. Um, I would pair them with any kind of dark, intense cigar. Um, actually, we were just I just mentioned the Undercrown. Uh, the Undercrown. Maduro, the regular one, would go really well with either of these. The problem is uh, the La Volcada is a lot more uh, complex and subtle than I gave it credit for before smoking it. And that's kind of the game we play here is uh, a lot of times the cigars we're smoking aren't cigars we've smoked previously. Um, this is our, both of our first time smoking the La yeah. Volcada. Um, and I was expecting something like the Lanox that was going to be intense, in your face, um, and this kind of starts that way, but then calms down a little bit and like uh, ends up a lot more refined and less uh, in your face than I was expecting. Yeah, it's it's really nuanced. Not what I expected. Just smelling it before even lighting it. I felt like it was going to be really intense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's there's certainly intensity there. It's uh, like the retrohale is very spicy, but on the palate, it's very delicate. Yes. Yeah. It's nicely balanced. Yeah. Um, oh, Chico Ray says the Norteño too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Norteño is awesome. Norteño is my jam, especially uh, if you Those haven't wafers? had. Yeah, that wafer press. Oh, I call it the Willie press. The Willie press. Yep. <laughs> uh, but that Churchill, the limited edition one, or uh, I, I think it's, I think the band says Edición Limitada. I don't remember which one it says. Um, but I, I love that it's the same like core blend almost. Like, it's still got that power and that roughness that the Norteño has. Um, but it's just a little bit, like, dialed back. So you can, you know, sit back and enjoy it a little more than, like... Norteño is kind of one of those cigars that you, like, you grab it by the horns and just hold on for the ride. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And, and uh, Steve Ludington says, Reconquista. I'm not sure what that means. I don't... I speak a oh, little bit of Spanish, but not enough. That's, um... Oh, man. Uh, he's gonna kill me. Uh... Because he loves he loves that cigar and I can't put the name to it right now. Um, so that's the name of the cigar. Oh, it is. Yep. 
Uh, Reconquista is, uh, oh man, it, it, it eludes me right now. Oh, of course. It's an Ava Maria. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he loves those things. Uh, and he also says Lenox rules. It really does. I mm. love that cigar. Um, Absolutely. And I really like this La Volcata. It's like a, uh, if you're, if you're going to be smoking the Lenox after dinner, smoke this one after lunch. It's, it's a little more intense than most people would go for after lunch, but it's like that. Uh, this is the LFD lunch cigar. Oh, definitely. This this is like, like if you're gonna leave early after lunch, <laughs> like a Friday. This is your Friday after lunch cigar, and you just kind of there go you home. go. That's the perfect time. That's for it, it, man. Because <clears throat> uh, you know most people want that ultra rich cigar after dinner, um, and this isn't quite that, but it's got a lot of power and. Uh, a lot of complexity, even though it's a little bit dialed back. Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking it. All right, so my pairing of the night is going to be the, let me hold up the can here, the Bury the Hoppetition. It buried all the Hoppetition tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was, that was really bad. Really clever. Uh, <laughs> uh, the thing is, like, uh, I don't know if this is the best pairing for this cigar, but out of these three it is. Um, the Death by Coconut and the... Uh, from a story I would love, just have way too much going on to compare to uh, not hold back this because they do they, they hold it back a little. Man, I think you know what my uh, my pairing. I'm going to stand by it. It's going to be that eggnog IPA, which I hated, absolutely hated. Man, and now I, I like it. I think it's great. I mean, with with this particular cigar, it's great by itself. I'd never drink it again. <laughs> 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 it, it's it's too much. I mean, it's a good beer, right? And it is just too much. And that's the whole thing about this show, right? We 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 always look for these weird combinations, interesting combinations, or things that you just never really would assume could work, and you never know until you try. Yeah. Um. As I've said before, I try to go with um. Typically on the show, not always. Typically, I try to go with one thing that I have had before and think will go well with it. Uh, and two that I'm iffy on, uh, or haven't even tried at all. And th that was in this case, I'd never had two of the beers. I've had a lot of death by coconut and death by coconut was the one that I was like, Oh, that's going to go with this cigar. Um, but it just, it just overpowers it with that sweetness and those coconut flavors. Um, and I feel like if, if I have a sip of the death by coconut, it takes a few draws on the cigar before I'm really tasting it a hundred percent again. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt with the brown ale. It, it was a really good beer, and, and it's a nice pairing. But it's it takes a little bit more work to to kind of enjoy both. And generally, with a pairing, you want them to play off of each other and balance out. Yeah, um, I got to take another sip of this berry one. It's like it's just so different. Like the the milkshake IPA thing. Again, a lot of people think that it sounds terrible, and it does. But if you <laughs> see one, pick it up and try it because I think. My guess is that this summer it's going to be that kind of, that style that everybody has. Um, it was the haze craze last year, where oh yeah, a lot of the Definitely. bigger breweries didn't get in on it. Like I know Sierra Nevada's hazy beer was a winter seasonal because they were just late on getting a hazy beer out. Um, but I think it's now a year-round production. Uh, it just didn't come out until the winter. Um, and I think this is going to be the next thing where all the big craft breweries that you love are going to be making a milkshake IPA, uh, at least one, if not like these guys have four different ones um, that are the same basic beer, but just different uh, different fruits added 
Uh, so you can try, you know, it's, it's interesting because the hops have so many of those fruit flavors that depending on what fruits you add, it's going to add different flavors. Uh, like this one doesn't have peach, but I can absolutely smell and taste peach beer from the hops. Uh, and then the peach flavored version of this beer, I thought like they didn't add enough peach to um, but I think they just did enough to accent the hops more than the itself. Yeah, peach is always tough. Yeah. So here's here's a good question for you with this beer. If you had a, a milkshake IPA, what would be your ideal or what would you like to see in terms of an, an additive of fruit? What kind of flavor would you want to see in the future? Man, the one that Chico talked about a couple months ago in the comments um, that I've been dying to try and I haven't seen a single one out here in Portland is a strawberry milkshake IPA. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one other thing that I would want to try, but I do not, I would not have high hopes for, would be a peanut butter milkshake IPA. Because I love peanut butter milkshakes. <laughs> I do not think that would be a great flavor to go with hops. It, it, um, it could work. You never know, but, right? Yeah, I mean, peanut butter stouts and peanut butter porters work. So it's possible that it would work. Um, but I think strawberry, strawberry is the one I'm looking for. Yeah, that's what I'm enough. trying to find. I'm hunting for strawberry, and I haven't found one. For me, I'd, I'd love to see a uh, a dragon fruit milkshake IPA, but with Eldorado hops. Oh, okay. That I, I feel like it could work. Maybe. It yeah, because dra- dragon fruit's got that like intense sweetness that I think would actually yeah. kind of. It could balance off with the Eldorado with some of the the um, kind of the zesty flavors of the Eldorado. Oh man, Chico has a good idea. Cookies yeah? and cream stout. Oh man. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. Uh, like now I'm just like, I can't even think anymore. Oh man. You know, some, cream stout. somebody had a black and white cookie stout. I forget who oh. it is. Uh, it was really good. It was very, very good. I still like growing up on the East coast, like going to New York city, like getting a black and white cookie was a really special thing. And that <laughs> the memory of the flavor and texture of a black and white cookie is indelible in my mind. Like, it's never going away. Anytime I see a black and white cookie, it's like I have to buy one. That that's so funny you say that. Could you know, for me growing up in New York, I've had many of them and I I don't like them. They just don't really? taste like anything to me. Oh, they're so cakey and sweet. The, that's the problem. I feel like that's the problem. It makes my teeth hurt and it doesn't taste you know, the black part tastes like the white part, it tastes like the cookie <laughs> part. It all tastes like one big like sugar thing. I I a can glob see of sugar, like, that's it. <laughs> I, I think for me, it holds the same nostalgic uh, place that for some people, the Twinkie holds. Like, Twinkies oh, I, are, I can see that. Twinkies yeah. are terrible. They taste bad, but people love them because, yeah. like, so they've got that, that texture and that flavor that you remember. Um, and for some Just reason, like uh, chicken wings at bars. Good. People love the worse the chicken wing is at a bar, the more they love them. I don't get it. In New York, at least, I've seen this. It doesn't make sense to me. No, that's true. That's true. They, I guess they're, you know, the college days, they're used to eating 10 cent wings. Uh, they've been frozen that come from like Malaysia. Uh, it's not even chicken when you get it. They love that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. To each uh, his own. I got to take one more sip of this, this berry milkshake IPA and talk about it before we sign off for the evening. Man, it looks so juicy. It is. It, and it's interesting because it's interesting because of the different berries they use. Um, Let me scroll up in my notes. So it's blueberry, blackberry, raspberry, and boysenberry. And you get like that super rich sweetness, like a red, a red wine from blueberry and blackberry. And then you get that tartness from boysenberry and raspberry. And it works really well in this. That sounds amazing. 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to get some more of these. Like, and I uh, personally, I hate blueberry. I I can't stand blueberry flavor. Uh, this might turn me around. Like, I taste oh, yeah? blueberries, but I like it. All right. But maybe it has to be, you know, a foursome of berries for me to like it. Snozberries. That's what you need. Oh, Chico's got a great yeah. idea. Papaya milk. Papaya milkshake stout. Oh man, you know what? Oh that, man, that'll work. Absolutely, that'll work. I feel like the the more cloyingly sweet the fruit is, the better it works in a milkshake Absolutely. stout. Absolutely, it must. That's part of the thing that I think makes milkshake stouts actually work is that you're offsetting the hoppiness and the astringency of the hops with something really sweet and like almost candy sweet. But uh, because it's a fruity sweetness and not the you know that malty syrupy sweetness that you get, it's uh, it's different. And actually, he he made a correction. He said stout, so he might mean a papaya milkshake stout, which I would drink. That, that could drink. that could work. I would drink it. Absolutely. I mean, there I'm drinking an eggnog IPA, so I'll drink anything. Yeah. Now that I think about it, there aren't a lot of fruity milk stouts out there. I gotta I gotta see if I can track some down. The one thing I have to say is, and and you, I noted this when I was pouring the beer. I told you, and I want everyone else to know. When I when I poured this beer into the glass tonight, the eggnog IPA, it smelled like tuna. It you was hor- horrible. It smelled like tuna. And you go figure. You look at it now, right? It's it's my my pairing of the night. Great beer with a yeah, cigar. That's really surprising that like after hearing you rant about it the other day. <laughs> so um, moral of the story is go out if you see something you're not sure about, just try it. Try it twice. Like like we talk about cigars, right? Yeah. They're, if you have a cigar, you don't like it the first time, try it again. You may like it. Yeah, it's, it's, just kinda, it's, it's one of those things. It's just how our bodies work. Like the first time you may not like it. It may be the circumstance and you may not realize it. Um, or it could just be a bad one. That happens sometimes too. Yeah. Um, more, more often with cigars than beers. Though. I think they have a higher failure rate. Um, but anyway, uh, we're getting to the end of the show here. I do want to note uh, tomorrow night we are not having a cigar chat. But we will have a the very first all wine episode. I think that's right. Sharon I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking for it, forward man. to it. We've got a couple of different like I've got some very different wines, um, and we're going to be doing it, of course, with Tony Bellato from La Barba Cigars. He is a level three master of wine, um, so he's going to teach us all about whatever wine we're drinking. I hope I'm pumped, um, man, because I don't I don't know very much about the wines I bought, um, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Uh, We really appreciate you guys out there uh, supporting us. And thank you, of course, to all of our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners. Uh, And as always, remember, here at Sharing Our Parents, we want you to drink better, but we want you to drink less.